1: Also, your favorite country artists are always stopping by to hang out and share their
2: lives and music too. So wake up with a bunch of my friends on 98.7 WMZQ in Washington, D.C. Or wherever the road takes you on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, everybody, welcome to Movie Crush Friday interview edition. Charles W. Chuck Bryant here uh, doing the intro and outro in our home studio, Pont City Market. But this one was recorded at our Hollywood studios in Hollywood, California. Uh, everyone, I had Jordan Morris on to talk about Point Break. Uh, Jordan is an old pal that I met through, um, uh, met at Max FunCon, uh, our, our friend Jesse Thorne, mutual friend that Jordan has known since college, and they actually started out um, in college together doing comedy. Uh, You get to hear this backstory too, which is really fun, um, doing college radio together. And they are still working together on Jordan Jesse Go, the great podcast on the MaxFun Network. Uh, Jordan is also the creator and head writer and showrunner for Bubble, uh, the wonderful uh, comedy sci-fi kind of bonzo fun scripted podcast that came out last year Uh, hopefully bubble two will be coming out sometime soon really really good stuff check it out if you haven't but jordan's a great guy and it was a lot of fun sitting down and talking point break with him (laughs) such a fun fun movie so uh without any delay everyone here is jordan morris on point break where do you live right now west hollywood oh yeah
1: yeah this was not a hard drive at all
2: Yeah, that's good. Um, I stay when I come here at this place, like right around the corner, so it's really cool. Cool. It's a dumb, uh, glitzy hotel, but it's like 500 feet away. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) So it's kind of good. Yeah, that's awesome. I've gotten to know the Hollywood Boulevard well. Um, Are you guesting on anybody's show while you're out here? No. Cool. No, I didn't put the word out. Yeah. Um, I'd still love to do JJ Go at some point. Yeah,
1: next time you're you're in town – well, yeah, I'll definitely us, be coming back
2: in June for Max Fun, oh cool, yeah, Con. let's definitely do it um, and I usually come out Thursday. when do you guys record? We usually record Sunday, but I think we could we could make an exception <laughs> or maybe Sunday. you could be
1: our guest at Max Fun Con <clears throat> if we do the if we tape live.
2: oh goodness anyway well, hey well, we'll let's park that to the side of course, of course <laughs> no, no need to get our calendars out now i don't I don't want you to write any checks that That's true. Jesse doesn't want to cash mm-hmm. <laughs> It's funny, man. All these eighties movies this week. It's weird. Interesting. Well, technically point break is nineties. Yeah, ninety one. Yeah. I think. Uh where are you from originally? Uh Orange County. Oh. I didn't <clears> know <throat> you were semi local. Yeah.
1: I mean I was born in Beaumont, Texas, but we um we moved to uh Orange County, California, uh when I was like three. So uh-huh. I kind of consider that to be where I was born
2: and raised. So you don't no, you don't relate to Texans?
1: Not really. I mean, we went out there for like our family vacations and uh-huh. stuff. And my like, you know, my mom's sisters still live out there. My, mom, one right. of my mom's sisters it does, and so my cousins live out there. So I like have fondness for Texas, right? And certainly, uh, you know, love any excuse to go to Austin for work because it is yeah. the world's funnest place. It is fun. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I I consider myself a a chill SoCal local, a chill SoCal, mm-hmm. <laughs> the OC local, hanging ten. <laughs> smoking dubs You know, the OC
2: way, baby You don't do either one Being of those things, Being weirdly religious <laughs> You might as well be one of the ex-presidents Yeah um, Do you have siblings and stuff? Uh, I have a little sister um, Who is now 30 right. So a 30-year-old
1: little It's weird to call a 30-year-old your little sister How old are yes. you now? Uh, 36 Oh, wow Yeah okay. um, So yeah, she is, uh, she is a lawyer So we are the kind of archetypal um Sensible one and creative one, right, her being the sensible one, me being the creative one, uh-huh. um so yeah, um but yeah she's uh she's a hoot, she's a hoot, and you know anytime <laughs> I need some legal advice, she's always there, yeah, that's always nice, yeah, she back in Texas or uh no, she's in Orange county, so oh, okay. she lived up here for a little bit, but um moved back there to work for the county, so
2: gotcha, yeah, that's cool um wh- how what was it like growing up in your household? I always like to get a read on Sure. um because i had a, i had not super unique but i had parents that weren't that super into movies and right. pop culture and i mean it's not like they shunned it mm-hmm. but i didn't definitely didn't have the parents who were like oh god you got to watch this yeah. or you should listen to this um yeah i did not have that either uh, my uh my
1: parents were not that you know they they were they're not hip people right um you know we you know, saw movies at the mall uh-huh. and, you know, watched a lot of network TV. <laughs> um, you know, didn't you know, didn't have HBO. To me, growing up, that was the mark of a family who was really cultured wow. if they had
2: HBO. But we even had HBO.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, we uh yeah, my my uh my mother's a very nice woman mm-hmm. uh she's a you know she's a nurse she's been a nurse for her entire life oh that's great um not her entire life but you know sure. in her adulthood when she was uh, she wasn't a age. baby nurse
2: <laughs> which would be a pretty I cute kid show say, dude that's a premise <laughs> uh yeah
1: it's a it's a, a companion piece to boss baby right a more working class <laughs> boss baby little nurse um yeah so she uh I, I, she does not understand entertainment stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a hard time wrapping her head around it, but has always been very supportive. Like oh, I, cool. you know, I have I, I have a, a fucking boring ass childhood where my right. mom was nice and wanted me to do what I wanted to do. And <laughs> oh, the worst. I know it sucks. <laughs> it fucking sucks. I want to come in. I want to. I want to come on these and talk about how I, right. You know, uh, came home with green hair and <laughs> had to sleep in the treehouse and you know smash my guitar against the wall yeah. but no they were always really nice even when i wanted to do kind of dorky stuff you know when i wanted to wear a cape to high school for right. a couple <laughs> weeks and carry all my books in a bowling bag and do all that dumb Did you do that? Yeah, bowling i was bag? i was a i was a quintessential drama dork. Uh-huh. Uh, like so i discovered, you know, Again, what a fucking boring ass backstory I have. So
2: basic. That's not boring.
1: It's a okay, yeah. Um, about standard for these kinds of things. I think.
2: Well, I mean, it makes you stand out a bit in the the world of comedians because you're you're not tortured. That's true. Yeah. You know, most of the, well, not most, but. But yeah, no, I
1: definitely. I mean, I have my ups and my downs, of course, and I struggle with various things. But yeah, sure. I, I definitely don't consider myself a sad clown, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a I'm a content clown who certainly has moments of darkness and self doubt, right? But essentially, is is pretty happy to be where he's at.
2: Yeah. Um so you're doing drama in high school?
1: I'm doing drama in high school. So yeah, I discovered drama and we had a little <clears throat> improv group, which was huge for me, which was like mind blowing. Yeah. Because I think I was always kind of a you know, a, a goof off uh-huh. type. So I think the idea of being able to like goof off while people watched you yeah. was
2: great. Yeah. We didn't have anything like that in our school. Oh yeah. Not improv. I didn't even know that was a thing.
1: Did you? Was there a drama club uh in, in school plays and stuff like that?
2: Yeah, but I was. A, I mean, I've never been a performer. Um, yeah, which is funny now that I you know can get on a stage and
1: right for for a shit ton of people.
2: Yeah, but I've gotten used to that. But I'm still. Um, I don't consider myself a performer and like an actor. I'm terrible at that. <laughs> um, interesting, but it seems it seems like um,
1: you know drama club you know, draws in the, like, look at me, kids, sure. which I was one of. Uh-huh. But I think it also draws in general <clears throat> kind of, I'm artsy and haven't found my people yet, yeah. kids. I think, you know, like— Outsiders? Yeah, I think, like, you know, drama club, you know, the tech crew is filled with punk kids. Yeah. The, like, orchestras filled with, like— Band geeks. Right. I don't know. It seems to be this kind of like nerd unifier, or at least it was at my high school. Uh So you have the kind of like, look at me, I know what rent is, kids. yeah. But then, you know, the productions kind of pull in all these other kind of, um, you
2: know, not jock types. Right. Anyway. Other types of John Hughes archetypes. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> other other
1: Breakfast Club members all kind of uh, band together. Were you popular? Uh, I mean, well, uh, here's uh, th- 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 that's complicated. So I was <laughs> I was homecoming king. Oh, wow. I was elected homecoming king, <clears throat> and I found out later, uh, like after I had graduated college, uh, I found out on MySpace. I uh, got in touch <laughs> with this kid named Justin Reynolds. He uh-huh. was the punk kid who hung hung the lights, right? So you know he always had like a leather jacket and a Vice Squad butt flap, right? Um, so Justin Reynolds was the like crew kid, and uh, I I friended him on MySpace.
2: Uh-huh. And is that what uh, you called that back then? Friended?
1: Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. What did you call it? I
2: don't know. I don't. I don't think I had friending? MySpace. Oh, was, interesting. You skipped MySpace. Yeah. Um.
1: So anyway, and he sent me a message on the MySpace after Uh I had friended him. Right. Uh, saying that, hey, remember when you won Homecoming King? <clears throat> oh, I was no. I was working in the office and I rigged the ballot so wow. you would win. So I am a false, <laughs> a false Homecoming King of Capo Valley. Wow,
2: that's yeah. better than I thought. I thought you were going to say. I just had a pit in my stomach. I thought you were going to say that it was like carried. I like, got carried. Oh yeah. yeah. That it was just <laughs> a big joke on right. you. Uh.
1: So no. I mean, I got again. Uh. uh again, a boring backstory. I. You know, Orange County is a pretty conservative place. Sure. I think up until very, very recently. Actually, up until this election, I think it always goes red. It's like oh, the, did it swing? It's like the one little pocket of California yeah. that was red. Until very recently, which is nice. Good on you uh, good on you, Orange County. Um so, you know, uh, So, yeah, so it's pretty conservative. You know, there is a, like, jock culture for Mm -hmm. sure. Like, a lot of surfer guys turned water polo guys. Like, those were kind of our jocks. Okay. We're kind of a bleached blonde. Right. You know, um, maybe much like some of the characters in today's movie, Point Break. (laughs) Yeah. So that, like, culture is very prevalent in Orange County. Uh But I was able to go to high school, sometimes in a cape, sometimes carrying my books in a bowling bag. (laughs) Uh, and I didn't get hassled too much. I mean I had a little bit of teasing, but I kind of got to just be a little weirdo and experiment. And I'm really like grateful for that because, yeah. you, know, you know, you hear stories from other creative people about how it was like a struggle and people sure. didn't want them to do that. And everybody wanted them to straighten up and put on a tie and, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. But, yeah, I kind of I, – I was very, very lucky to grow up, you know, being able to like – Experiment and be a goofball and find myself. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really thankful that that was my upbringing, upbringing for sure.
2: Well, I mean, you're funny and that's always a secret weapon, I think. Yeah. So even if you um, are at risk of being bullied, if you're funny, that helps, I think.
1: yeah. And I think I can. I think I can code switch between yeah. nerd and bro. Maybe not nerd and jock, but nerd and bro, yeah, cl- which is the bridge. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I think I can. You know, because uh, yeah, I think I can. Uh, I think I kind of learned how to like talk to that sort of yeah. person and not come off like a you know artsy goober. Right. <laughs> And then once I'm away from them I can turn back into an artsy goober. I haven't heard goober in a while. Yeah. Let's bring that back. Sure, I know. Hey, I mean I'm proud. I'm I'm a proud goober. Hey, if you're out there and you're a proud goober, hit me up, hashtag goob squad,
2: goob troop. When did you um, – like were you legit acting and stuff in the plays? And- yeah. And I think that's not necessarily because I was a
1: good actor but just cause, because I think the drama club needed boys. Uh-huh. I think that's the curse of many high school drama departments is they just need yeah. boys. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. So I think I, I I got up on stage pretty regularly regularly. Um, not not because of because I'm I'm you know super talented at performing, but because I was just enthusiastic and wanted to be there and would right. show up and uh, was a boy. So. Right. And what
2: about the uh, the improv? Is that was that through the school? Like it was actually yeah. Like- so we did a thing called Comedy Sports with a Z, <laughs> uh, and it I think
1: Comedy Sports with a Z is still active in L.A. I think they still have a performance space. I'm not positive, but they you know take they have teachers. You know, people who are part of their troupe go Mm -hmm. to high schools and kind of teach them rudimentary improv games. Stuff you would see on Whose Line Is It Anyways. A lot of, like, you know, all right, like, we're going to give you a weird hat and you guys have to make up a scene. Right. Uh, Stuff like that. (laughs) And so, yeah, so we – so these these people from comedy sports would come, you know, would come to the high school and teach us these games and help us put on these little shows. And we were very thrilled because our coach – uh, was had played a helicopter pilot on that's my Bush <laughs> that's the comedy bush. central show about George W. Bush. I don't remember that it was something the South Park guys did it. oh really and it was like in the that's my bush yeah, yeah so anyway so he was on that show though yes, he was. Nice. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, like, it was my first time meeting a, like, professional creative person, right. which I did not grow up around. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people think that, you know, oh, Orange County is close to LA, so you probably knew a lot of show business people. Like, I did not. Like, I yeah. knew, the only grown ups I knew were, like, real estate people and jet ski salesmen. Right. Like, that <laughs> is who lives in Orange <laughs> County. So, like, meeting a creative person, a professional creative person yeah. was a pretty big deal.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um... Yeah, and then and then because we met the comedy sports guy, we would like pile in my mom's van and drive up to LA to see improv shows. Wow. So yeah, that was kind of like my my childhood adventures were like piling in a van and going to see improv shows and punk shows. So uh-huh. that was kind of like my you know, first little glimpse at yeah.
2: the grown-up world. That's cool, though. I mean, that's great access. Um, yeah, it's really nice. It was age. really nice to have that yeah. stuff around. Yeah, I, feel, I didn't have a lot of that going on around me. And Atlanta? That's where you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, the suburbs of Atlanta. It was just – I had no idea that you could – do this as a job yeah um, yeah not podcasting obviously that was sure yeah not a thing and just a the g- the glimmer a glimmer <laughs> in the eye of yeah but Silicon Valley I didn't know uh I didn't know you could do that it, I just I don't know I never thought about movies in that way like this yeah. is a job you can do right
1: I always thought I would be a fun drama teacher right which is I, I mean still still time for that <laughs> I mean could could very well still happen uh and, and probably, no shame in that either of like, course not. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. If you're a fun drama teacher out there, good on you. Like giving, giving the artsy goobers of the world a chance to like express themselves. No, that is a very important, uh, very important noble job for sure. Yeah.
2: Well, both of my parents were teachers, so I identify with that a bit.
1: Oh, that's right. Your dad
2: was like your English teacher, right? My principal. Your
1: principal. Oh man, that's cool.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Elementary school, that is. Uh, high school, it probably would have been a little tougher, I think.
1: Now, I don't know. I don't know the geography of Georgia that well, but okay. I mean, you know, I think Athens has that like legendary yeah. music scene. Did uh-huh. you pile in a station wagon and go see bands in
2: Athens, or was that not possible? It- uh no, I did not. Okay. Uh Athens is an hour away. I went to school there. Oh yeah? So when I was eighteen, I oh, went that's to right. didn't you college and like didn't did you like back. rent videos to Michael Stipe or something? Yeah. He he came by the video store. Cool. <laughs> that's um, a feather in your cap. Yeah. I mean college was really where I uh um blossomed into like a complete normal human though. Sure. Um especially in Athens, you know, plenty of opportunity. But I, I didn't I mean, I was going to concerts and stuff from the time I was like 13. Yeah. But it was, you know, the big shows at the big arena. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was not nearly cool enough to know about like – like the coolest shit I was listening to was like The Cure and The Smiths and R.E.M. and stuff. Okay. I was pretty
1: cool, and the but
2: yeah. But I, not, not on the punk scene, though. Like, sure, yeah. I was, I was not privy to that.
1: that. though that was kind of like on the radio at that point. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure.
2: Um, but this is about you. <laughs> That's true. This is about me. I'm Yeah. I'm naturally inquisitive. I'm sorry. When, uh, uh, when did you start, like, well, tell me about meeting Jesse in college. Sure, cause, yeah. Because that was um, a pretty big deal.
1: So, yeah. So, I mean, I think based, you know, so I kind of, like, had, had started thinking about, you know, oh, okay, like, yeah, I like TV and I like comedy and, that has to get there somehow. Maybe people write it. Where do mm-hmm. they? You know. So I. But you know, it was still kind of baffling to me. And so yeah. then I went to college at UC Santa Cruz, uh, right. It's Kind of northern California.
2: Yeah. What's it like there? Jesse jokes about it so much, but yeah, it I always is, wonder what the truth is. <laughs> uh,
1: it is a. Uh, it is a. Uh, it is a hilarious, <clears throat> ridiculous, beautiful place. Uh-huh. Uh, really, really a, a really special kind of magical place. It is. You know. It is very very hippy dippy. Mm-hmm. It is pretty pretty stuck in the 90s. Uh I went back a couple years ago and you know people were still wearing flannel shirts tied around their waists oh, yeah? and there were still like posters for bands on sublime. telephone poles. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Maybe a little less sublime and a little more hmm Let's let me th- Yeah, I mean I think Sublime's not quite right, but okay. I mean I I'm, I'm I'm very sensitive to California <laughs> musical geography. Yeah, that was
2: more San Diego, I guess.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean it's, I think Sublime are uh, famously from Long Beach, but I think definitely probably their core fan base was in San Diego. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> yeah, like white stoners, uh-huh. white white dreadlocks. Sure. Uh, although there were a lot of white dreadlocks at UC Santa Cruz, but I think they probably listened to actual reggae. Right. <laughs> and and really let you know about it. Yeah. Really let you know that their <laughs> shit was the real shit. Was uh-huh. really iray. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it is, you know, it's a little hippie paradise. It's a little, you know, there's a little Berkeley spice in there. Mm-hmm. There's a little, like, Venice Beach, you know, peppered in. Right. And it's kind of just this little enclave. It is very, very, you know, radically liberal. Mm-hmm um how big is it it is boy i don't know i think i think it is definitely one of those places where the biggest part of the town is the university Uh so i think that like university students are a pretty big portion of the population right uh so yeah but then you had you know the locals were a lot of like surf burnouts Mm. and people who sold candles (laughs) and you know stuff like that although i have maybe heard that some of silicon valley has started to
2: trickle uh, down there. It's creeping in. Yeah. How um, far is that from San Francisco? It's an hour
1: and some change. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I guess that's that people will drive that.
1: Yeah, sure. I think yeah, and I think maybe if, you know, you are a you are a little bit of a a, a crunchier granola one of those tech mm-hmm. guys, you probably like the, you know, the you know salt air and the uh-huh. access to surfing and stuff like that <laughs> yeah um so yeah it was it was great i mean it, it, it's a silly place it you know it does definitely is its own little reality um and definitely you know it's it, it it did not they did not provide any kind of resources to have a career in show business. Mm-hmm. I think I went into the, you know, career counseling person when I was about to graduate and asked about any, like, internships or, you know, entry-level PA-type jobs in showbiz, and I think they had one one listing for <coughs> an assistant camera operator for a local news station in San Jose. Right. So, you know, and I think I think, you know, the, like, performance and writing – programs were preparing you to be like an agitprop street clown. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the like the 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 highest calling of the UC Santa Cruz performance graduates. Right. Can you you know, can you create some sort of challenging street art to freak out
2: squares. Right. Like you're going to need a trunk that you can fit a lot of props in, but you can also carry it under your arm. Yes, exactly. As you're running down the street. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) When the cops are chasing you away for fucking speaking the truth and freaking
1: out the... Anyway, so uh so Jesse Thorne, uh, owner and uh, and head head haunch over at Maximum Fun. Mm-hmm. So we met, he was my RA. Wow. Uh, B4 South in the Porter Porter dorms. Wow. Uh, so yeah, so I thought he was a cool dude because he, you know, he was a comedy nerd. He had mm-hmm. like a kids in the hall poster and a tenacious right. D poster. Yeah. Um kind of some of that, you know, fringy comedy stuff that, you know, you always Felt like someone was a kindred spirit if they liked.
2: Yeah, and I remember that. Uh, I remember that dorm thing where the posters were such a, such a signifier. Totally. Oh, so, yeah. So like a lot of thought went into what you put on your wall. Yeah,
1: it really like said a lot about you or what you. Yeah, it was like how, the person you wanted to be, kind of. Yeah, you, at
2: least if you feel like I did, which was like maybe a little nervous in your own skin totally like i wasn't like yeah i'm gonna put this poster up because it's just fucking what i like yeah. I was like oh well if i put up this jane's addiction poster right like i do love them but boy that's cool
1: yeah exactly i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna pick the things i like very the ones i the ones i display right exactly yeah maybe keep some of the other stuff quiet Um, yeah, so we met and he was on, he was on the, like, UC Santa Cruz improv group Uh called Humor Force Five, Uh a a, a bad, (laughs) embarrassing improv team name, if there ever was one. They're all pretty bad. I know, (laughs) exactly, yeah. That's always a fun thing to do when you're meeting another, you know, comedy person is ask them the name of their embarrassing college Uh improv group.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, we were Fart Patrol. Okay, yeah, sure. (laughs) We were satellite of love. Yeah, I'm okay, I know, <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, so uh, so you know, uh, he. So we. Uh, so I started doing the improv group over there, Human mm-hmm. Force Five, and then uh, Jesse also was a DJ on the college radio station, KZSC right. eighty-eight point one FM, the Heavyweight mm-hmm. eighty-eight, and he. Uh, uh, yeah, so he. He had me come in and do little bits on his uh, college radio show, and then I started co-hosting it with him. And, yeah, and that was kind of the – you know, that was kind of the the uh, zenith? Genesis. What word am I looking for? I the that-
2: start, the
1: beginning. <laughs> the zenegis. The Xenogis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. That sounds like a, uh, a Rush album. Yeah. Zenegis. <laughs> And, uh, and so we, uh, so yeah, and that was kind of the start of our podcast. So we did that college radio show together.
2: Yeah. Um. What was the name of it?
1: Uh, it was called The Sound of Young America. Oh, okay. Which became his NPR show. Which right. he changed the name of.
2: To Bullseye. To Bullseye. I used to love that name. I yeah. I remember when he it changed cool it, name. I was like, man, Sound of Young America is so good. I
1: know. I think it was, uh, I think it was like, um. It was some record label slogan that might have sued him. Oh, really? So yeah, I think it was like the... Oh, that makes sense. Daptone slogan at one point oh, or something like that. Okay. Um, anyway, so we... Uh, so yeah, so when he moved to LA... So after college, I moved to LA and started doing like PA jobs. Mm-hmm. And he moved here kind of shortly after. And then we, he's just like, do you want to start doing our old college radio show, but on the internet? Right. It's called a podcast. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we're still doing it today.
2: Yeah, how many years now? I
1: think 12 years.
2: Yeah, because you guys got in about a year before I did.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, we, you know, uh, us and, uh, and you and Jimmy Pardo and right. uh, and some of those early
2: Ricky Gervais podcasts yeah. were kind of some of the I first. those. To, Mark you know, Maron, of course.
1: Yeah, Mark Maron. I think Mark Maron was a little bit later. I mean, a little later, but yeah. didn't
2: like Jesse set him up?
1: I think so, yeah. I think there's that's part of it. Yeah, as he kind of helped him get his gear together. Yeah. Um. So yeah, definitely like, you know. We were we yeah we we were here before all you kids. I know. In your serials in <laughs> your makings of murderers.
2: Well, it's funny too. Hey, that's c- a Netflix
1: show. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I mean you
2: like murder on podcast. You guys sure. like
1: murder. Yeah, it's lots your- of murder. Yes.
2: Anyway, uh, when um when serial hit it big, and all the articles started flooding in, like New York Times, sure. and New Yorker, about you know this this new thing, and I know a lot of us had a sort of a half smirk about it all. Yeah, yeah. Um. But also, like, I was smart enough to know, like, this is great. Totally, you know? absolutely. Like, yeah. I can roll my eyes a little bit, but I love cereal. Yeah, totally. cereal Cereal so is great. I mean, I think industry. it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. It. Yeah, it was a little silly how it's like. There's this new thing called a podcast, yeah. and it's also a cereal, right? You know, I think the <laughs> the like media was a little dumb with that. Yeah, but um, yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's been huge for the industry, and definitely yeah. like so nice that you know. We can, this thing that we do, we can A, keep doing it. Mm -hmm. We can put it out every week without it being a financial burden on us. Right. And also, maybe it could turn into something else. It's great to see podcasters, you know, turning their shows into books and TV shows and comics and kind of all this other stuff. So it's really great that not only can this be a little job, Uh but also. It could maybe turn into something else. So that's like awesome and I think that's – you know, serial was a big part of that for sure.
2: Yeah, what – a as someone who has done the same show for a long time mm-hmm. as well, like what do you – how do you approach it after 12 years? Well, I mean
1: Jordan Jesse Go, the show I do with Jesse, is a – is kind of its own – It's it's a special case because it is not about anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just us chatting with a guest each week, yeah. Um, And we have some kind of recurring segments and stuff like that. But it's you know, for better or for worse, it is the two white guys chatting podcast. Right. It's the joke about podcasts. Yeah. It's just two white guys. You know, but it wasn't a
2: joke when you started. (laughs) No, no, no. Of course. And
1: I think you know that that was its own little genre for a while. Yeah. Uh, And you know, um, but so you know, I don't think. I, you know we have a we have a really great loyal nice nice fan base. They're not God. It's so nice to do something on the internet. Yeah, for not
2: assholes. Yeah, same here, man. We've got good folks. That yeah,
1: listen. so we have this kind of great little pocket. It's not a giant audience, but mm-hmm. they're you know they're strong and they're loyal and they like the show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and you know they they donate to Max Fund, so you know we make a little bit of money each month mm-hmm. from their nice donations, and so you know it's not a you know, it's not a financial suck on us to do the podcast, right? So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think either of us thinks that you know, twelve years in Jordan Jesse Go is going to become you know a TV show or something like that. But I think it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. We get to see each other, which is nice. Yeah, uh, you know, is that uh, part of it? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I think Jesse and I are very different in that he uh, he is is married with three kids, right? And you know, doesn't get out to hang a lot. Yeah. So I think the kind of the podcast is our hang, mm-hmm. or we get to kind of catch up. And, you know, like other friends too, you know, we, you know, the comics we have on the show or the people we have on our show are usually buds. Right. So it's, you know, it's a kind of a fun little chance to catch up. And yeah, and, you know, and and the audience is kind of nice and they, you know, kind of kindly donate. So it's like, okay, we can still do this <clears throat> and it's worth doing. yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I think we... You know, we do it because we love it and we do it because our fans are so nice. Mm-hmm. I don't think we are looking to take it to any other kind of level. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Jordan Jesse Go is just kind of a nice part of my life that has always been, that will always just be a pleasure. Like it's not, yeah, um, yeah it's, 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 it's rarely stressful and it's
2: rarely, you know, work. anything but,
1: yeah, yeah. It as it definitely does not feel like work. Yeah. So,
2: is it the kind of thing you want to do? Forever?
1: I think so. I mean, I can't think (laughs) of a reason that we would stop doing Jordan Jesse Go. I mean, maybe there would be some sort of like hiatus if, you know, I don't know, if there was family stuff Uh or if I, you know, uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe one of us would get a job in, you know, New York or something and would have to put it on hold for a while. But yeah, I mean, I think
2: it's something we want to do for the, you know, for the foreseeable future. I don't think there's any reason to. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. My wife, uh, it's funny about two months ago, she heard a snippet of your theme song mm-hmm. by The Free Design. Yes, on uh, maybe a TV mm. show. Yeah, there was an Amazon show. It was the
1: Fred Armisen Maya Rudolph Amazon Dude, show. That's used a totally little bit. It. Yes, we watched got a that. lot of
2: tweets because of that. Yeah, and she freaked out because she was just like, "I know that song. I know that yeah, song." Yeah, yeah. And she doesn't listen to podcasts. Uh-huh. Um, Charlotte so was like, well, I know you don't know it from that. Right. Uh, and I was like, wait a minute. I know that song. I figured out very quickly that was J.J. Go. Yeah. Um, but she did a deep dive on the internet and realized it was a song that her babysitter sang for her. Really? When she would go to sleep when Aww. she was a little kid. It does have lullaby-ish qualities, it for does. sure. So she like had this big moment of like, all this flood of memories coming back with wow. this song. Hadn't heard it since she was like four. Yeah. And heard it again, and was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Yeah, that's Jordan Jesse Go's theme song." She's like, "Really? <laughs> that's funny." And learned all the words, and now sings it to my daughter in bed. Oh, that's really cute. And I do a little background like bum bum bum. And oh, that's great. I can't commit the words to memory because I'm terrible <laughs> like that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's kind of become a fun little thing. And like now, every night when I put my daughter to bed, like weirdly. In the back of my brain, I'm thinking of you guys. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, I mean, you should just complete the, complete the experience after you sing the
1: song to your daughter. Just, just put make a podcast. bunch of – well, I was going to say make a bunch of dick jokes and uh, remember old Sega Genesis games, <laughs> right, exactly. which is the bulk of the podcast. Pretty much. Talking about our
2: balls, remembering Sega Genesis. <laughs> um, let's talk about Bubble before we get on sure. point break, though. Yes. Um, that is the scripted comedy show right. that you put out last year mm-hmm. with Max Fun. Yeah. And was how did that come about? Was that your baby? Yeah. So,
1: I mean, I, for years, worked on the TV show At Midnight. That's right. Um, on Comedy Central. How was that? Um, you had a good time doing that. Yeah, right? that was a blast. Yeah. Uh, that was a really fun writer's room. And, you know, just like the guests that they brought in through that place were amazing. So it was like, you know getting a cool new co-worker every day. Yeah, every and kind of your first big professional writing gig, wasn't it or was yeah, it? Yeah, I mean I had had other I had had a lot of other jobs in like deep cable mm-hmm. and like <laughs> deep, cable. deep cable. I was on I I did a lot of writing for Channel 612. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a lot of, like, real obscure cable stuff and, like, internet stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, At Midnight was my first uh, WGA job, certainly. Wow. And, uh, yeah, definitely my first, you know, thing that was kind of high profile. Right. More than people who watch Channel 612 had heard about. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, so kind of that show was kind of approaching the end, and I think we all uh-huh. kind of knew it was the end. Yeah. And, you know, everybody kind of started getting their – They're writing samples in order to go out and look for jobs. Get those packets ready. Got to get those packets (laughs) ready. Uh, So, yeah, I kind of was thinking about the kind of thing I wanted to do after at midnight. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I mean, I think I was like, okay, well, boy, late night is sure a lot of Trump. Mm -hmm. You know, so I guess, you know, the idea of doing more kind of news jokes seemed a little exhausting to me. Um, So, yeah, but I'm like, okay, well, what do I like? I like – sci-fi I like genre stuff I like you know I love it when that stuff has a sense of humor mm-hmm. like you know uh so yeah so maybe I'll try and write a funny sci-fi thing so mm-hmm. I kind of had this vague idea of a you know of a hipster city that was kind of like a Silver Lake or a Portland or a mm-hmm. Brooklyn, Brooklyn that you know that was really great and had all this cool coffee and oh, all these bike lanes and dog parks. Right. But also it had these space monsters that killed you right. when you went for your morning jog. Yeah, You know, and I think it's part of, you know, just kind of the, the joke of that being that like, you know, to live in one of these cool places is very nice, but it's also hard. Mm-hmm. Like it's expensive and, you know, cities can be nightmarish and, yeah. you know, and now that people are You know, relying on the gig economy more. It's Uh like, how do you make your rent in one of these places? Right. So, you know, kind of taking the struggle of that and, you know, and just adding a sci-fi element to it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I kind of had this idea of a, you know, a hipster city where you had to fight monsters and kind of, you know, kind of slowly just kind of in my notes app kind of jotted down little ideas for characters or what the world would be like or the backstory. And yeah, and then just kind of like sat down to write it one day. And, Were you and, thinking and, TV? Uh, I was thinking TV. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't necessarily think it was something people would make because it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, But I thought this could be a good sample. Yeah. Like this is a good sample to, you know, right. that would get people from, you know, The Flash or whatever to interview me. Uh-huh. So you know, I so I wrote the I so I wrote the sample and we did a little staged reading of it here at uh in a at a little comedy theater and you know just recorded that and put out the audio and I'm Mm -hmm. like okay well that's something I've kind of got on other people with writing samples is that I know podcast people so I can make a little podcast like thing out of this right and um you know and that's 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 that'll set it apart from the other fucking pile of scripts people get every day. Uh, yeah, so we you know, so we so I uh, so we made that, and then I had a couple of meetings about bubble and you know, you know, kind of the tone of them all was like this is this is cool. We like this. We will never make this. Yeah. you know, uh, so yeah, there was a lot of like that. And it was mm-hmm. kind of frustrating and I'm like, ah eh, boy, I mean, a lot of people seem to be responding to this thing, mm-hmm. but nobody wants to do anything with it. you right. know, that's the weird disconnect. Um so yeah, so then I think Jesse. And Max Fun were thinking about trying something <clears throat> scripted, mm-hmm. um, you know. So I think that was kind of a natural choice for them because it already had a little fan base from the staged reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I think then, then you know, they they uh, yeah, they just kind of invested some money into hiring editors, writers, actors. And kind of yeah, tried to do it as legit as possible. Tried to make it as a as mm-hmm. T V like an experience as yeah. possible. Uh yeah, then we did uh eight episodes, soon to be nine episodes. And uh yeah, and it's it's uh it, it it uh it really it really took off in a way that was surprising and delightful.
2: Yeah, I think you guys uh you see I mean uh, you're a groundbreaker. And I don't think you know that. <laughs> like, sure. You know, with Jordan, Jesse Goh starting out years ago and then with Bubble, I think is – I mean it's got to be the probably the biggest scripted comedy show that's been out, right? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean there's a lot of other – there's a lot of other really great scripted genre things out there. Uh, Welcome to Nightvale comes to mind. I mean, well, sure. They, um, and uh, The Bright Sessions is another great one. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. Um, and yeah, and they've they've all kind of been doing this sort of thing. Uh, for a while with great success and, you know, they they all have a lot of fans. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think Bubble was notable just because it was such a production, mm-hmm. you know, it, um, you know, we didn't want it to be like found audio, right. which I think a lot of things for, mostly for production reasons yeah. are all kind of it's like, tricky. this is found audio, yeah, I mean, yeah. which is, I mean, I, which is a very cool way to do it, but I think you know, I just kind of felt like that had been done. Uh-huh. So yeah, so I think Bubble was just notable because it is a, it you know, it, it is a TV like product for your ears. Yeah, and it had a you know continuity and you know, it had an arc and stuff like that. So yeah, I think I I think it was cool. I think we were definitely trying to do something new ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I think we did. I think it's pretty you know, it's oh, great. It definitely is. It's uh, you know, it uh, yeah, I think it it does feel unique in the world of scripted podcasts. Yeah,
2: and I think the timing of it, too, um, was, was pretty pretty great. Like, yeah. five years ago, it may not have uh, registered like it did now.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, podcasts have been going on for long enough. And, you know, and I think there's a certain – I mean, you, I'm sure you encounter this when you're, you know, sitting next to some strangers at a wedding mm-hmm. trying to explain what a podcast is. Yeah. And I think that now people have caught on mm-hmm. to the, you know – To the technology Mm -hmm. and they're – they are willing to try some stuff that is a little more out there artistically, Mm -hmm. Um, which is great. Uh, You know, and I think – uh, yeah, so I think that you know there are enough chat podcasts and there are enough news podcasts. Mm-hmm. I think people plenty of true crime. there's plenty of true if crime if you wanna <laughs> yes, if you wanna hear about a murder, uh-huh. there are now podcasts devoted exclusively to eye trauma, yeah <laughs> any kind of murder you like, you can get a boutique podcast eye just trauma. for yeah <laughs> right. Um, do you like choking there's a whole choking (laughs) section of itunes of apple Podcasts. just type in murder dot choking you can get uh anyway um so yeah i I don't know i think i think people are just like cool i got this podcasts are part of my life they're Mm -hmm. part of my commute they're part of my media
2: intake let's let's try something new yeah that's cool I think we're all interested to see where that goes.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's definitely nice, you know, I think, you know, being in a town that is full of people who have scripts that they love who yeah. – that don't go anywhere, mm-hmm. it's nice that there's options. You can do podcasts or comics totally. or web series or yeah. – yeah. So it, it it is cool that some of these great ideas that are are great, but, you know, you know TV can still be very conservative, um, not politically necessarily, but just like – Taking chances on Creatively. Yeah. yeah, totally. So it's nice that, you know, just feeling like just because something is too out there for mm-hmm. NBC right. that it would never find an audience.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a cool time to be a creator and a writer, I think, because gone are the days where you're just sort of sitting around waiting for your phone to ring. Yeah. Um, you can be much more, like, proactive. Totally. And how you get your stuff out there. Yeah, exactly. It is really nice to – it's nice
1: to live in a world where you don't have to, like, rely on other – you don't have to get permission to work. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, if you want to do this, you can do it. Uh-huh. Uh You know, and it – you know, obviously, we all would like to make some money. Sure. Uh, and we'd all like to be paid and have health insurance and stuff. But as mm-hmm. far as the creative part of it, it's like you can create your thing and you can – have people who like your thing yeah um and hopefully the 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 money and the health insurance comes later right but uh yeah but it's nice to know that um uh yeah it's nice to know that you can do that
2: yeah yeah that's great
1: here's the thing
0: saving money with geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball because there's always that guy who joins your game he never passes the rock.
2: Shall we? Let's shall. With Point Break? Oh, I would love to. All right. Um, this movie uh, came out when I was a uh, – the summer before my sophomore year in college. Mm-hmm. And for some reason that summer, me and my two friends, Chris and Jerry, saw a bunch of movies together. We – I think we're just in the same town yeah. and bored. Mm-hmm. And um, Point Break was one of, like, the big ones that year for us. Okay. That I have – Cool. Like, very – distinct memories yeah. of going to see this. And I even remember it uh, It rained very, very hard mm-hmm. after we saw it. And my friend... we so were you were getting out <laughs> of the movie and
1: you're like, that's the 50-year storm. <laughs>
2: we're in it. Dude, that was it. And we were in my friend's Jeep who had the top down. It wasn't raining when we went in. Yeah. And I remember this great drive and the pouring rain <laughs> with the... With, you know, and we were making all the jokes about Point Break and yeah. the 50-year storm. And it's just one of those movies that really like... Uh, the actual viewing of the movie still stands out to me. That's awesome. All these years later.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great movie to see with like a big group. It is a movie about Groups and tribes and yeah. kind of made families. <laughs> so it's uh-huh. nice. It's nice to see that with your kind of like friend family.
2: Yeah. What was your deal? And uh, I mean, you you probably saw this on VHS later, right? Yes. So this was. I don't specifically remember the first time
1: I saw this, but I remember it being a sleepover movie, uh-huh. like a movie that people had on VHS and maybe kind of later DVD. Uh-huh. Um, and it would be something you would put on at a sleepover and kind of watch the first couple minutes, and then, you know, just sleepover shit would start. Sure. You know, (laughs) you'll start talking and fucking with each other and, you know, sleepover shit. Yeah. Uh, So, so, you know, it was a movie that I had seen but, like, had not – like, I had fond memories of. And obviously everything stopped. All the sleepover shit stopped when – yeah, Lori Petty was towel changing by her car. Um Yeah. And so, you know, there was like there was kind of like parts that we loved, uh-huh. but it was something that I had fond memories of, but rarely sat down to watch the whole thing. Yeah. You know, and of course you knew the lines. You sure. knew con Dios You uh-huh. knew Are You Gonna Jump or Jerk Off? Yeah. <laughs> uh I'm Young, Dumb and Full of Cum. Oh man. Yeah. I mean there's I so many, so many here. lines <laughs> in this. So yeah, it was kind of a movie that existed in little chunks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then I remember like in college actually sitting down and like watching it in a dark room yeah. and paying attention and going, like, this is kind of a great movie. Yeah. Like, this is kind of a, foo boy, I might get some shit for this. This is a diehard caliber <laughs> action movie that is
2: cool and thoughtful and very funny. It is very funny. Um, uh, like, watching it, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's corny as hell. Yes. But, like, that's because that's the kind of movies that they were making then. Like, yeah. Like the DNA of Catherine Bigelow's career right. was all there. But they, she just wasn't allowed to make movies like The Hurt Locker. Totally. At that point. Yeah. And in it 1991. Does, it
1: does feel like this movie is is a commentary and maybe even a little bit of a satire on those kinds of movies. It's definitely so. a turned up to 11 version of uh-huh. those, you know – Van Damme, Steven Seagal, you know Bruce Willis, Sylvester Stallone movies. You yeah, know? and
2: it does I feel, feel like, the like tongue is in cheek. Yeah, it does unless feel, I'm just totally making that up. I
1: don't think so, and I think that's that's a big question about Point Break: is it how is. much of it is funny on purpose, right? And it's a fun thing to kind of puzzle out. And it I is. do, I do genuinely think that the crazy stuff they know is crazy, uh-huh. and they're doing it. For fun,
2: yeah.
1: I mean, I think I think the you know a great example of that is there's this awesome foot chase where oh, Keanu Reeves is
2: just chasing one of the best foot chases. It's so in rad,
1: yeah. And these are really well put together. And sometimes you know sometimes when you go back and watch all these action movies, the action doesn't hold up just mm-hmm. because action has changed so much. Yeah, it's like. How do you watch? How do you watch Kickboxer in a world where you've also seen The Raid? Right. It's like it just looks so fucking lame. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this movie is, you know, is 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 done by a pretty brilliant filmmaker, and yeah. so the action is really terrific. Totally I think it holds, holds up. up. But there's this moment in that foot chase. I know what you're going to say. Yes, sir. I mean, it's it's <laughs> iconic. It's iconic. It is Bruce Willis walking over the glass. Uh-huh. It is Patrick Swayze throws a yes. dog at Keanu Reeves. He throws a pit bull at him. Keanu Reeves catches it and then punts it like a football. <laughs> they know that's funny. They know that. Oh, and it's so funny. I As I watched it for this, I let it. I let the credits play because uh-huh. um, I was enjoying the, uh, the, music. Rat, the uh-huh. rat song. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, God. What is that song called? Oh, I don't know. Nobody Rides for Free. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it was – and so I was enjoying the music and I just – kind I noticed the, the – you know the part where it says animals were not harmed in the making of this? Uh-huh. So it, I had never seen this before. In the credits it says uh, – and there is a scene of an animal being harmed, but the uh, – <laughs> But it, a decoy of the animal was used. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so yeah, they. I think. I mean, that's a pretty good credit, was, pun- was punting a false dog. Another um, great yeah. Rush album.
2: Yeah, punting a false dog. You're gonna have to come up with one more, you know. Shit. Fuck. Okay, I will. Rule of threes. Oh yeah. Um. I know. I'm a comedy professional. I know rule of threes. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, that uh, was for the listener. So yeah.
1: Um. So yeah. But I. I do think there are there are moments like that. You know, kind of. Kind of let you know that they get how crazy some of this stuff is. I think is, so. There's no way you can on throw
2: a pit bull at a guy in a fight because that means if you think about what's going on, he would have had to have uh, – if you're if you're Bodie if you're Swayze, yes. you would have had to run out of the front of that house
1: mm-hmm.
2: with him right behind you, see this pit bull, yeah. and decide I'm going to pick this dog up <laughs> and wait until he gets here <laughs> and then throw, throw it, it at him. him um it's so great it is awesome it i had forgotten rules. about that moment and it's one of the like one of the great great moments
1: yeah and it is in the middle of a really well put together cool chase yeah. so it's like you have you have this like cool filmmaking on display just uh-huh. with these i don't know with these crazy moments that 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 i you know are kind of jokes yeah I mean, there's so much impossible stuff in this movie oh yeah you know that is played really seriously uh-huh. so
2: yeah um the the Jumping back to the beginning, that mm-hmm. that first bit of exposition from John C. McGinley ah. is really like something else. He's so good in this. Like, you know, the whole deal of like writing those uh, exposition scenes at the beginning to mm-hmm. like set everything up. And right. there are so, so many clever ways of doing that where it doesn't appear like you're doing exposition. And they just flat out, like, he's walking down the hall and he's like, So you're Johnny Utah, first day on the job. First day in the new city, yeah, and like he literally is like
1: L.A. bank robbery capital of the world. Yeah, I mean, he
2: just lays it all out there in like thirty seconds. It's so great, yeah,
1: I know, and exactly. And then you know, Keanu, you know, he he makes this like joke about Keanu's diet. He's like, he's like, oh, you got, you know, my guys don't drink, they don't, and they hell, and they sure as hell don't smoke. Yeah, and Keanu's like, I take the skin off chicken, yeah. sir. <laughs> and then it's later, like in the middle of that conversation, Keanu picks up a donut and he's eating the oh, donut. Oh, notice that. Yeah, and then uh, John C. McGinley says like, you know, he says something about like what a dickie is and he's like, it's like, did they call you cuz we had an asshole shortage? Right. <laughs>
2: there are a lot of great lines like yeah, that. Yeah, I
1: know. And he I think he is definitely a heightened kind of comic version of the like hard ass police chief. Yeah. You know, I think they definitely he's kind of a sketch comedy version of that archetype.
2: Well, and it's it's full of good actors. I mean, this yeah. could have been um this could have been a different movie if it would have been Van Damme. Sure. Surrounded by nameless right. hacks. sure. But like, you have John C. McGinley in a very small role. He's a great actor. Totally. And kind of across the board, I mean, Keanu Reeves is Keanu Reeves. He's keanu he's. Ke- I mean, he's keanu and hard in this. Yeah, I used to make fun of him. And then I had a friend who worked with him. And he said, A, the nicest dude yeah. you'd ever meet. And he said, B, he he beats himself up so much. About the job that he's doing. Really? And I instantly, like, felt bad mm-hmm. as a person yeah. for making fun of his acting.
1: I know. I mean, I he's, think
2: he's really trying. I think he is trying. And I think he's <laughs> doing – and, and again, it's like how much of Keanu
1: is on purpose. Yeah. I think a lot of it. I mean, like, if you look at, like, Bill and Ted, like, he's right. this crazy version of a Valley stoner guy. Yeah. And then kind of, like, walked that back for – Subsequent movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I do. I do think he he knows what a Keanu is supposed to do,
2: and I think he's gotten better over the years as an actor. Yeah. Um. It's that tone, that voice of his. Yeah. It's it's sort of hard to leap past that. Right. Sometimes because he does sound like Ted or Bill. Wait. Shit. Uh, Ted. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna get Ted, Ted for that Theodore <laughs> Logan. That's right. I forget sometimes. Yeah uh but yeah he's he's a good actor though I think he is, yeah, and he's been he' been great in
1: stuff since then, and he definitely like yeah he definitely like kind of plays with his persona in fun ways, i think
2: uh so the ex presidents I think is a brilliant sort of conceit it's awesome for bank robbers, yeah, um because uh you know you like you get that moment with like. Ronald Reagan in his tuxedo yeah. spraying this gas torch. Is
1: there a cooler shot a in cool action image. movies? Yeah. And I guess I don't know enough about, like, Reagan's presidency to, like, uh, unpack the
2: symbolism of that. Oh, if, sure. Like, OPEC and uh, maybe right. the yeah, oil. Yeah, uh. yeah.
1: I mean, I don't know how much political commentary is in that image. But it's so – it like, it's – it yeah, it's, it's like – it's so powerful. Just, like, yeah. a guy in a Reagan mask – you know, launching fire all over this gas Uh station. It's really beautiful, too. Uh, Anyway, so, yeah, definitely one of my – yeah, great bad guys.
2: Uh, And then uh, Busey, you know.
1: Busey, uh, having recently won an Oscar. What? Yeah, didn't he win for the Buddy Holly movie?
2: Oh, recently then. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes, no, not now. (laughs) Yeah, he won – I thought you were talking about now. I was like, dude, I don't think it's been a minute since he's – uh, okay, so he was coming off of an Oscar win in 91 then. I think so. Or close to it, at yeah, least. Yeah, I think so. For the Buddy Holly movie.
1: Um, so yeah, but yeah, definitely, like, I mean, you know, this is a, 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 you know, a kind of a, a, a harbinger of things to come for Busey. Yeah, This kind of kooky, uh-huh. out there, yeah, yeah. madman role. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, maybe this is the first time he kind of played this way.
2: Yeah, I like the first, that scene where, uh. There's just so many ridiculous things in it. It's yeah. great. Like, they're in the uh, office after that scene over Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. which is great. Oh, yeah. And um, Keanu Reeves is, like, drinking a beer. And you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. He's drinking a beer, and then Gary Busey takes just a bottle it, of it has Jack like a Daniels. whole a whole bottle of Jack
1: Daniels. It kind of comes from off screen too. I know. Yeah, it's just kind it's of like, like they're working.
2: and yeah. he's just drinking whiskey out of the bottle. Sure,
1: it is. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's uh, yeah, so they definitely like. I feel like they definitely let him run wild in this. Uh, yeah. there's definitely a lot of like little Buseyisms. I think there's this point where he's like pointing a gun at this thug, and he's like speaking to the
2: microphone, "Squid for brains."
1: Yeah, <laughs> like that could not have been in the script.
2: Uh, and Lori Petty, like you mentioned, like, the, the, the clothes changing scene. Like, sure, yeah. She was uh, – oh, man, was, I mean, if you were a kid back then, yeah, like Lori Petty was super cool yeah. and like pretty, but like not like this s- – she seems somewhat attainable in the way she carried herself on screen.
1: Yeah, I mean, she was a pretty – I mean, she was a pretty – I mean, mm, you know, I mean, I think looking back, like, you know, all of these action movies had pretty – pretty flimsy female characters. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in a lot of ways she is, you know, she is kind of underwritten and, you know, kind of there as a, uh, you know, as kind of a plot convenience. She gets kidnapped, has to get saved. Yeah. But like, you know, but for the time, I do think she was a really like, a a pretty like amazing, you know, female character that I think these Mm -hmm. types of movies did not have. I mean, she, yeah, I mean, I do love, (laughs) I do love how much shit she gives Keanu when he, wants her to teach him how to surf. Mm -hmm. There's this great part where she kind of saves him. She pulls him out of the water when he's trying to surf on his own. And as she's kind of running off, he's like, my name is Johnny Utah. (laughs) And you just hear her off screen go, who cares? Yeah. (laughs) And I think the movie was called Johnny Utah at
2: first. Yeah, that's true.
1: So I think they... I don't know. I think that was a joke on the fact that that was supposed to be the title of the movie. Right? And she could not give less of a fuck about him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Anyway, she's and she's great, and I love how she's you know, she's the most competent surfer, mm-hmm. and you know, in that scene where they're all playing like touch football, she's the one who scores the touchdown. Right. So yeah, they really like you know, they really try to round her out in ways that maybe she would not have been if the movie was made by a man yeah I think so um yeah mean and again with the, with that said she, I think she's still you know a, a little bit a little bit flimsy and I think you would you know you you would not make a movie with a underdeveloped female character like that now but I mean I think for the time she it was, was
2: 1991
1: 1991 so yeah I mean yeah. obviously like you know definitely like if you were a you know, if you were a if you were a little little punk kid, and yeah. uh, she was uh, she was the she was the as 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 babe a babe as you could get.
2: Yeah, yeah. So Lori Petty gave many special feelings. Sure, to yeah. me even as a sophomore in college. And then you know, then league of their own.
1: Yeah, That's another
2: anyway. Yeah, she's. Uh, I looked her up too. Actually, she's she's still around. Yeah, still doing it out yeah, there grinding. Doing I imagine she still gets tired of uh, being called Billy Jean on the streets. No, sure. I bet you she got that a lot. Yeah. Uh, Who was that actress? Helen something? Oh, yeah. Legend of Billie Jean? I know who you mean. I even thought it was Lori Petty, and I was like, no, of course it's not. Yeah. Uh, During the surfing school scene, I'm going to point out some of the cornball things along the way. Please. Because it's just so great. Oh, yeah, I know. But uh, during the scene where she's teaching him to surf, I don't know if you noticed the lyrics of the song. No, I don't think I did. I Will Not Fall. It is like... <laughs> a little on the nose. So on the nose. It's great. Yeah. It's really wonderful, though. And then I'm learning to surf. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the next song that comes on. Uh, but then she tells him about Bodhi, and this is one of the great lines of the movie. Uh, Bodhi, they call him uh, Bodhisattva. He's a modern savage, a real searcher. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> But it sets up that character, you know. It sure does, yeah. And
1: he's he is he is a really great character, a really like great, complicated, weird villain. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that is a <laughs> kind of a funny, clumsy intro to him
2: for uh-huh. sure. Modern savage. He's a modern savage. Can you imagine what that looked like on the page? Oh know? yeah, to Laurie Petty. She's like yeah. <laughs> but Swayze's great. I mean, I yeah, was. He's awesome. I was. Uh, I'm not ashamed to uh, stick up for Roadhouse. Fuck man, yeah, Roadhouse rules. Yeah, it's like one of the one of the great movies I mm-hmm. think of of the time, and, um, and you know we're talking about fun movies, not no. obviously not Oscar winners, sure, yeah. But Roadhouse was great, and yeah. you know Dirty Dancing, I saw enough to appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just sort of like in this movie to see him. We saw him like we had never seen him
1: mm-hmm.
2: with that sort of blonde hair. And you know, all tanned up and stuff, yeah, and I, I, it was like the coolest Swayze I had seen i think I know, and the movie definitely like the
1: movie definitely like ogles him, yeah. you know definitely in a you know if if it, you know if we if we definitely ogle Lori Petty a little bit when she's changing clothes, it uh-huh. definitely like. Really let you let you drink Swayze in yeah. for a lot of this.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: yeah, which I uh, which I think is kind of cool that he's <laughs> objectified that much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just a just a great character, and I love I love how how spiritual he is compared to the rest of the doofuses in the gang.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, he, he talks a lot about it. Um, and it's even like bullshit. In a way, because he talks about, like, how much he hates violence, Mm -hmm. like, in the midst of committing tons of acts of violence.
1: Yeah, I mean, they really, like, they do make a meal out of the moment in the foiled bank robbery where he has to shoot the undercover cop. Sure. Like, they definitely linger on that. being You know, and you can kind of see his eyes through the mask. Yeah. You can see his eyes, you know, you know, you can see him realizing that he's turned a corner yeah that like shit's falling apart it's a really cool little moment for sure, yeah, I think it works, yeah I mean but I you mean obviously like yeah, there is a you know there is there is a uh there is a disconnect about how what a peaceful chill dude he is and how much shit he kicks
2: yeah, throughout mean, the movie during that one great scene he talks about the purpose of the whole thing is like. He's like, it's not about money, man. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. It's people in their fucking coffins yeah, on the freeway. Yeah. Coffins. They're metal coffins. Their like, metal coffins. <laughs> so they are. He's he's literally saying that they are keeping the human spirit alive, right. By robbing banks and yeah. creating like violent mayhem. Sure. Like showing all these people, like the human spirit is still alive. Everybody. I know. I think that <laughs> very flimsy. Yes, that point
1: could have been better illustrated. It would have uh-huh. been nice to see. I don't know, like, oh, people are dressing up like the ex-presidents. Right. You know. It wasn't a flash mob, though. No, uh, it does seem like you're just robbing banks and masks. Although maybe that's, you know, maybe that's part of the, maybe that was just what they were telling themselves. Right. They were like, oh, this is inspiring people.
2: Uh, We get Anthony Kiedis. Anthony Kiedis in
1: a little cameo. Yeah. is one of the, there's like, yeah, they're the... Yeah, it's like Swayze and his gang are the good thugs, and right. then we have this group of bad thugs. Man, those
2: guys—like yeah. they were legit scary. I remember, like when I first saw that movie, being totally pretty freaked out.
1: Yeah, those are some like severe-looking yeah. surfer burnouts. Yeah, well cast. Everybody there is really well cast. I think.
2: Yeah, and the raid scene on their house was really great. Yeah, that's an awesome scene. Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of funny
1: little like visual jokes in that. Right. It is funny how you know there's. You know, the, the this kind of movie of the time always had a moment where there was just a nude woman. Uh-huh. I think that's part of, as a teenager, why we liked them so much. Sure. That, they
2: they would find any reason to have just nakedness.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I think there's in Commando, there's this shot where Arnold is fighting someone at a motel, and he throws someone through the door, and there's just a nude <laughs> woman in the hotel being nude. Sure. Uh, so this, this, this raid scene has a woman who is just in the shower, uh-huh. but she beats up like three people, yeah. like stabs a guy in the back. So I She's like that they She's the
2: biggest badass in that scene, actually. Yeah,
1: I like that they are, you know, and again, I think it's part of, you know, part of the argument for this movie being a kind of commentary on these kinds of movies uh-huh. in that the gratuitous nude woman actually, uh, hurts a bunch of people and is- She kicks Keanu's ass. Yeah, and she doesn't just, she doesn't just- you know, I mean, obviously we're you know we're we're trying to intellectualize a moment right. of TNA, which is you know there's some there's some intellectual gymnastics going on here. But I do I do think that was a conscious decision, and yeah. I do think it is them saying that you know can we can we give can we give a little more agency to these
2: right. to these nude women yeah. <laughs> I mean she does. She kicks more ass in yeah, that she scene She just than randomly grabs a knife
1: and stabs somebody. Yeah.
2: So yeah. But
1: yeah, very cool scene. I love it when Anthony Keitas accidentally shoots himself in the foot. Oh,
2: so great. Yeah. Yeah, that one really stood out to me as something that like stuck with me.
1: And I also love I love in these scenes in these kinds of like movies when just random dirt bags have Crazy automatic weapons. Yeah, their weapons arsenal is insane. It's yeah, like these yeah. guys are drug dealers, but they have—they seem to have grenade launchers.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, they do. That guy, that one dude, had that whatever that was—that weird Tommy gun, shotgun, yeah, like, hybrid or whatever <laughs> the hell that was. <laughs> I know.
1: It's like, how do these guys get? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a yeah. maybe that's a commentary on gun culture. <laughs> I don't know.
2: But well, I had friends too. Like this, um, so I was a sophomore in college, and my best friend from high school was. One of these suburban, um, inland suburban kids who was still way into, like, the skater and surf, uh, surf culture. Mm-hmm. So he went to college in Florida so he could surf. And I went down there a couple of times, and, like, I knew these dudes. Yeah. Like, this, this – every one of the ex-presidents I felt like I met at Flagler College. Yeah, uh, and I I knew those surf and of course I'm sure you did growing up totally yeah like these were real people um, they, they I mean they didn't seem like they were like 40 years old like these guys did yeah um, but it was it was a culture that yeah there's a guy in this who's like I'm gonna die before I'm 30 I'm yeah. like mm, you were yeah. 35 years ago
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> You gotta go back in time and commit suicide if that's gonna happen I remember that part yeah <laughs> I'm gonna die before I'm 30 man okay. <laughs> But I kind of knew like who these guys were totally. and, and the whole uh, like violent surf culture is like a real thing. Yeah. I mean, I think
1: they're you know, you do hear, I, there, it's funny, there's the, that documentary about uh, about uh, Venice skateboard culture, Dogtown and Z-Boys. Yeah, yeah.
2: I remember. Sure.
1: And, you know, it really like romanticizes uh-huh. that kind of late 70s skate culture. And, you know, I guess the idea is that it started with surfing, you mm-hmm. know, it started with surfing and then, you know, when they couldn't go out in the water because it was too polluted or whatever, they would skateboard. Mm -hmm. So it starts out with all these, like, 70s skaters talking about their time as surfers. And they're like... And, you know, and this is supposed to be a fun part of the movie. Yeah. There's this part where one of the guys, like, you know, Tony Alva or something like that goes... It's like, yeah, you know, we were pretty protective of our breaks. It was locals only, so yeah. if we saw a guy out in the water we didn't recognize, we would stand up on the pier and drop a cinder block on him. Right. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not fun. You're, you 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 are probably a murderer, right? That probably that would kill someone. And he's talking about it like childhood antics. I know. Ha ha. ha. Yeah. We would drop cinder blocks on people from <laughs> piers if we didn't recognize them. It's like. <laughs> it's like that's supposed to be a fun culture, but like, yeah, you the, you guys were kind of psychos, you know, yeah. and maybe you know, maybe people's brains were kind of fried from drugs. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that world of of, of extreme sports uh, definitely has like a little dark side that I think this thing played with in a in a fun yeah. way.
2: Yeah, and like, I'm glad that they made mm-hmm. sense out of what they were doing because when you're first seeing that movie. Well, when you're first seeing it, when you're 20 or whatever, you just believe whatever. But sure. when I was watching it yesterday, i kind of forgotten the detail that they were running meth. Yeah. And I was like, why do these guys have all these guns and what's going on? Right. And, but they were truly bad dudes. Of course. Like running drugs and uh, what's his name, Tom uh, Sizemore? Oh, yeah. He was the guy. Oh, yeah. got all pissed off. Sure. It's kind of an early Sizemore mm-hmm. appearance. Again, this movie filled with uh, filled with better actors than yeah. it needs. Yeah, much better actors than it needs. Uh, I have a note here that just says, "I'm fucking surfing." That's <laughs> during during the midnight surf, yeah, the, like Keanu actually yells, right? That out. And he's
1: like, "It." Then, when this becomes, yeah, I mean, I think that's the day or that's the night, rather, when it goes from being an undercover job to like, I'm in too deep. Yeah, like I love these guys. Yeah, it's when he. And Lori Petty have sex on the beach. Right. They kiss out in the water on their uh-huh. boards. Yeah, that was Beautiful
2: pretty, moment. Pretty great.
1: Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the – you know, that's kind of the turning point for him. Yeah. Oh, just one more quick note before we move on from the uh, meth house. Uh-huh. It starts with – people are staking them out and you see one of the meth guys uh, pouring, <laughs> pouring beer on cereal. Yeah. Anyway. That's so funny. It's great. Great little, like – great little visual joke.
2: Well, and that's like – This does have James Cameron's fingerprints on it. Sure. For better or for worse.
1: Yeah. I think he, I think the, you know, at least according to IMDb trivia, he and Catherine Bigelow kind of rewrote an existing script. Yeah. That there was. Because they were dating, right? I think they were married at this point. Um, I'm not, I don't know for certain, but uh, I think they were married at this point. Uh, Yeah. So I think they rewrote it together. And yeah, there's definitely some Cameron shit in this. Yeah. There's definitely, I mean, yeah, definitely some of the, you know, some of the more awkward dialogue I would go ahead and probably attribute to him. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, he's man has made some amazing films. Yeah, where do you stand on him? Uh, boy, I mean, you know, camera movies are always uh, they're always a blast and they always look cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely the man is not a master of dialogue, or maybe he's doing it on purpose. Maybe he's trying to make things more like a fairy tale or simplistic or something like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would think that I always I always like them. Um, but yeah, but they always have some they always have some like kind of cornball. Eye roll stuff that you got to get past yeah. to enjoy the spectacle.
2: No, I so. agree. His writing is not his strong suit.
1: No, uh, uh-uh. uh let somebody else write him. Cameron. Yeah,
2: exactly. I'm sure he's gonna. You take don't got to write him. <laughs> uh, the bank stakeout scene kills me because they they're staking out this bank. <laughs> yeah, and just they're the they're the worst stakeout guys ever. Yeah, he's like, go get me a sandwich. Yeah. And this it's all happening behind him. Utah. Give me two. <laughs> he's reading the comics. Yeah, he's reading, yeah. He, they're literally in there robbing the bank. Busey is like laughing at <laughs> laughing at Calvin and Hobbes know, in the newspaper uh-huh. and he makes uh, Keanu go get him meatball sandwiches. Yeah, two meatball sandwiches. Yeah. And the whole thing is going on right behind them. I know. And then he gets back and he's like, Hey, you know, that uh, that Continental? How long's that been there? It's like, What Continental? That's right. He's like, What are you doing? I know. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> such boobs. <laughs> It was a good scene, though. The bank robbery scene. Yeah, it's neat. It's is pretty cool. And, like, I think the – I mean, listen, it is what it is. It's point break. But there really is something going on with the last half hour of that film mm-hmm. where Keanu – like, the, the coolest thing that happened in the movie, I think, is when after that he was outed, mm-hmm. with after the big foot chase with Swayze, Swayze and the gang show up at his house. Yeah. And are just like – What's up, man? I know, yeah. Why is your face cut? Yeah. Like, that really ramps up the tension.
1: Totally. I mean, it definitely shows, you know, it definitely, like, is a good example of these guys, you know, this gang will just take that adrenaline rush wherever they can get it. It's Mm -hmm. like how they live their lives. I mean, do they are kind of junkies. It's Like, at that point, they could— leave town mm-hmm. they successfully robbed the bank mm-hmm. but they like go to fucking taunt keanu you know it's like yeah it's like wow these guys you know these guys are just you know living on the edge at all times yeah um yeah that is a neat moment the like wh- who's gonna say we know first right you know
2: yeah someone's gonna blink right uh and and that sequence is good the skydiving sequence. yeah the skydiving is awesome yeah, it's a lot of fun yeah i think squacy did did his own skydiving he did. Yeah, he he, he got into it. Definitely, you yeah. can tell when you're watching it.
1: Yeah, you can see some of those dirty dancing moves. Yeah. <laughs> that like he's a trained dancer. He does have like beautiful, like he just arches back in he beautiful does.
2: ways. Nice aerial moves. Yeah, <laughs> he's so
1: uh, yeah, he's so graceful. He's uh yeah, he's a really really beautiful performer. Even when skydiving, um yeah, definitely that like who packed my chute moment is yeah. really cool. It's really a cool moment
2: of tension. Totally.
1: Um yeah and uh yeah, there's definitely a lot of sky. Diving in this movie,
2: yeah. But then they like um, ramp it up even further by like forcing him to take part. I thought like I thought this movie got really good in that third act. Yeah, like it was fun. Mm -hmm. But that third act was some legit poker playing and and chess matching. Mm -hmm. I think to like force him to go and rob the bank. They have Laurie Petty Mm -hmm. with with the one metalhead who all he does is like spit and kick. I think his name is Rosie. (laughs) Rosie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but that, that was a good move Like all of a sudden Keanu was part part of the gang Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely Yeah, I really, really like that part of like You kind of see Keanu enjoying this stuff You know, he had, li- yeah. he had led this kind of button-up life They talk about him going to Quantico Right uh, Yeah, you kind of like see him enjoy robbing the bank And mm-hmm. there's this moment of like Yeah, and there, it's like it's Swayze trying to convince him That this is the way to live
2: Yeah, like, I felt like that for sure. Swayze wanted him to be on the team. Yeah, totally. He He wants you to turn him. Yeah, I mean, I think that was, yeah, that seemed to be like, you
1: know, right. It's like, this is not. This is not helping you rob the bank, but it is part of your MO to see if you can absorb more people into this gang. Right. Yeah. And you could definitely tell that they were like, you
2: know, they had a connection.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the other love story of the movie. It really is. Between between Johnny Utah and Bodie. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So it's definitely a, a, you know, yes, there is is that love story going on too.
2: Yeah. It's interesting because I never really kind of put that all together. Until watching it last night.
1: And they like – and they spare each other so much in this. Like there are so many chances where one could have killed the other one, mm-hmm. but they stop at the last second. Yeah. Um, you know, Keanu not shooting him in the alley. I think yeah. at the end it's like he – you know, Bodhi is drowning him and lets him up. But there's this right. moment about like they just can't end it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they just have to keep keep themselves in this cycle.
2: Yeah, he uh – uh well, you know, they have the, the great shootout at the at the airport. Yes. Where basically everybody dies but them.
1: Yeah, boy, this is a real bloodbath. I really forgot how many main characters just eat it in the end of this movie.
2: Yeah, and even uh James LeGrosse they you know, he doesn't quite die yet, mm-hmm. but his his plan, you know, Bodie's plan is all right, you've got two bullets to the chest, but we're gonna parachute you down into Mexico with a bag full of money.
1: <laughs> I know, and he hands him a big gun too. <laughs> He's
2: like, "You're gonna be just fine." Yeah. So this this plan is
1: solid. I know the guy just kind of flops out of the plane too. That was a funny part, actually. Yeah, He's like, "What?
2: <laughs> Whoa! Okay, bye."
1: <laughs> I know. I'm sure skydivers take issue with some stuff in this movie. Yeah, but
2: uh, you know. It's a cool moment though when out. all Canada in the, all in the service of fun. Yeah. yeah, without a shoot like without a shoot. He says fuck it. Yeah. That's, that's one of the great moments. I know. Yeah. He does say fuck it. And yeah. then he uh, literally says fuck it. Uh-huh. And uh you know, they have that one, you know, part of the whole one-upmanship of like who's more extreme. Right. Like that carries to its final conclusion there with the the parachuting. Yeah. Like they literally have a conversation while they're falling to their death.
1: And then, yeah. And then I think at the at the end, uh, Patrick Tracy says, you're one radical son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's great. And
1: then there's a, here's a weird part in that, though. I, mean, I think they keep going back to Keanu's trick knee. Right. Because that's what kept him out of football. Right. And then, you know, I think later on in the movie, he injures it.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, yeah. And after they skydive
2: mm-hmm.
1: with two men, one parachute, mm-hmm. and hit the ground. Yeah. uh Patrick Swayze gets up to get away, and Keanu's knee acts up? Right. It's like, that's... Right. <laughs> like, you have so many other injuries
2: at this point. Like, right, but he's like, no, it's the old Oh, college. my yeah. knee. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: but it ends like... The, and, and the only way it could end, yeah, uh, that that great... Final uh scene with at the fifty year storm. Yeah, he finally finds the finds
1: that wave he's been chasing all his life. Yeah. And Keanu lets him go to have one last ride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's
2: cool when he catches up to him and he tells him like I was like a week behind you in Sumatra mm-hmm. and I just missed you here and like his hair's long now. And yeah. So like you get this real sense that he's been, you know. On this mission. There's a
1: whole other movie there. There is. Of like Keanu tailing yeah, Swayze to
2: surf spots. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, they should have made that movie.
1: I know, right? There's so much more Point Break to be explored. I think it's it's. I mean, you know, obviously, I will have the cold take that there are too many sequels and reboots. But come on, let's 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 mine yeah. this shit. It's rich.
2: Did you see the remake? Yeah, I did. It's what was bad. it? Just the it's worst. So thing ever?
1: boring. Yeah, it's really boring. There, there's a remake in 2015, right? And I think it has the. It has the dubious honor of being one of the, like, lowest grossing movies of that year. Really? I think it really released it on Christmas Day even. I watched it on HBO when it kind of came out later, Um, and the, like, the extreme sports stuff is really beautifully shot. I think it was all shot, you know, with IMAX in mind. Right. So there's, like, wingsuit stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I think all that is really cool to look at, but it seems like just a, you know, a demo for a flat screen tv in best buy mm-hmm. you know it's just like look at this and then the story is so boring everybody is such a nothing uh, all the actors are such nothings and i think you know like like we were saying part of you know part of part of what makes this movie so great is that like there's all these cool fun actors mm-hmm. acting in this yeah you know uh in this kind of corny action movie so yeah they really like just pick Good looking zeros to play all the characters, right. and it is not funny. It's not funny. That's what people like about Point yeah, Break. They don't. For sure, people aren't. I mean, the action is cool. The skydiving is cool, but they're not. That the reason it's a classic movie is not that. Yeah, you know. So I think they really just missed the point of Point Break.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. If it didn't, if it didn't have a sense of humor about itself, then it's just.
1: Yeah, uh, I know. It's, it's yeah. it Just completely. Yeah, it just completely did not know what people like about
2: the yeah. first one. So. uh all right, you got anything else on, on PB?
1: Man, I don't know. It's great. I don't know if there's a nice Criterion <laughs> Blu-ray of it out there somewhere, but uh, it seems like, yeah, Criterion, get on that. I would like
2: to see some behind-the-scenes shit. Me too, yeah. Uh, I, I do have one more line in here. Please. When uh, when Bodie is uh, faced with Keanu at the end in the airplane, he said, I know you want me so bad. It's like acid in it's your like mouth. It's like acid. Oh
1: yes, I know. I was like, what Very that erotic. Mean? It's like acid in your mouth. Uh my my, you know, kind of kind of playing with that dynamic where Swayze is so much more articulate than his gang. Mm-hmm. There's this great moment in the van on the way to the last jump, which mm-hmm. has like five classic lines in it. Yeah. That van ride has so much so full of great dialogue. Uh-huh. Uh it has I am an FBI agent. Yeah. Uh Swayze says why be a servant to the law when you can be its fucking master? Yeah. And then his goon turns around and just goes, fucking A. <laughs> it's, it's so good.
2: I love it, man. Yeah. There's definitely some James Cameron going on there. Of course. Hey, I'm
0: Joe Levy, and on the latest episode of Inside the Studio, I sat down with one of the all-time great singer-songwriters, James Taylor. We talked about his new album, where his music comes from, and how telling his life story through his songs has
1: helped him. Music saved my life, but I was lucky also to survive. I did some very stupid, some, some years that were, were just really high risk, unnecessarily so. And a lot of people around us died, you know. So join
0: me, Joe Levy, editor-at-large at Billboard, for this and other in-depth conversations with the biggest artists in music. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts.
2: All right, buddy, we finished with five questions. Yes. Uh, what's the first movie you remember seeing in a the theater?
1: Ooh boy, I think it might be it might be Disney's Aladdin. Okay. What year was that?
2: I don't know. I had
1: to have seen movies in theaters before that. It's the first trip to a movie theater that I really remember well.
2: Okay. Well, this is the first one you remember. So. Yeah.
1: And the first one I saw alone was Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Oh. Yeah. Nice. First movie I saw without parents.
2: Okay. Was it just you or was it, did you I have think a so. Friend? I think they
1: dropped me off at the mall. I think mom <laughs> shopped and then came back to get me when it was over. Nice.
2: Uh, first R rated movie, RoboCop Two. Oh,
1: yeah, and I there's a I have not seen it since, mm-hmm. but there's this scary image of a brain in a jar that's just burned into my brain. Yeah, and I think it really scared me. Uh-huh. The brain in the jar. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, I've, I've been meaning to go back and rewatch RoboCop Two because I like RoboCop One a lot. I've, that's great. I've seen that.
2: That many was times. Uh, Joe Randazzo's pick. Really? When? Yeah, we did this like a year ago. Oh, nice. I should uh-huh. listen to that. Yeah, it's um,
1: good. yeah. RoboCop's great, and again, just a great movie that is. Kind of at once a cool action movie and kind of a commentary on them, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's a cold take. And you know? it has a sense of humor. Yeah, it's very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I've, I I should revisit two and see if that brain is as scary as I remember it. <laughs> uh, will you walk out of a bad movie? I've walked out of two movies. Usually, no. I usually kind of like – I mean, I kind of – you know, growing up with Mystery Science Theater, mm-hmm. as I did, uh, watching a bad movie is kind of fun. Yeah. I even kind of like it, especially if you're with people and you can kind of yeah. goof on it. It's – yeah, sometimes a bad movie is fun and they can be interesting too. Right. It's like, what went wrong? Uh but I think if the people I'm with uh are having a bad time, I'm more likely to walk out. Okay. Um the two I remember walking out of is one in high school. It is a Gabriel Byrne horror movie called Stigmata. It is about mm-hmm. the concept of Stigmata Vague where people yeah, people that. people, you know, kind of through miracles get Christ's wounds. Mm-hmm. And I think it was very scary, but I think the people I with, I was with, were very religious and were insulted by it. Oh. so we left and got our money back because I of think, God. Yes, because of God. <laughs> I think we. Yeah, I can remember the friends I was with going up to the ticket counter and saying that the movie was blasphemous. And oh, we wow. Needed our money back. Wow. Uh, I've, you know, again, something else I've been meaning to revisit. I should, uh-huh. I should rewatch Stigmata and see yeah. if it was actually. You know. Blasphemous. <laughs> see, see if it was actually blasphemous. I think it probably was. Um, not that there's necessarily something wrong with making a blasphemous movie. Sure. Um, and then the other one, and I know this will this will make me <laughs> either a hero or a villain to the listeners. Mm-hmm. I realize this is a loaded one to talk about. Oh, wow. But I walked out of Tiny Furniture... The, the Lena Dunham's – Oh yeah. I don't know if it was her first movie. I think so. It was kind of the progenitor to Girls. Yeah, it was yeah. Kind Of the uh, I saw that. I, w- I saw I saw it on a date, and I think I was not liking it, and my date hated it. So I think we left Tiny Furniture before the third act. Uh, I did go on to really like Girls. I watched Girls to the end, so I don't. You know. I loved Girls. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I do not hate the output of Lena Dunham. Unless you hate her, then I also hate it. Don't
2: <laughs> yell at me online. I know
1: Lita Dunham is the most loaded celebrity to talk about. Uh, yeah. Maybe sure. loaded two years ago, but uh, yeah. I know it's so – it's it's so tough to talk about her because she inflames right. passions in both directions. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, but yes, Tiny Furniture
1: I did not like, but um, but have liked some of her subsequent work.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I tailored this one to the guest. What movie – let me see here. Uh. All right, how about this? What what movie if 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 movies had a writers room like a lot of TV does, what mm. what movie would you have loved to have been a writer for?
1: Oh, that's a fun one. That's yeah. a
2: really fun one. Um, boy, recently,
1: uh another cold take coming your way. Sure, that Spider-Verse movie was good, right? Oh, man. That was a really fun movie. So great. And it felt like that had a real brain trust behind it. Uh You know, I think you had, you know, uh, Lord Miller of the Lego movie, but definitely there's so much Marvel comics in there. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Dan Slott, the Spider-Man writer, had some input on that. Or definitely it was at least based on his, uh, some of his Spider-Man stories. So yeah, boy, that was such a fun movie and it definitely felt like they were throwing the kitchen sink in there. Yeah. So yeah, and I think the best, you know, the, 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 the best case scenario of a writer's room is you do feel like it's things are packed with ideas, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, that's definitely one where it it God it just felt like that was probably such a pleasure to yeah. just you know spew out all of your ideas and see how you can make it work on screen.
2: Great answer. Uh, and finally, movie going 101 uh, What's your movie ritual? Where do you sit? What do you get? Uh, yeah, actually, I think I heard uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna copy a, a former
1: guest's answer, oh, okay. and I think it's probably something you get a lot. Is I like sitting by that bar. You know the
2: the like railing, sure between uh, the two sections.
1: Yeah, I like to put my feet up on that bar. Uh huh. Uh, So I try and get a get a seat next to the railing. Um. Yeah. You know. Uh. Nothing. Nothing too. Nothing too bonkers. I like. uh, I like popcorn with just a dab of butter. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's. um, You know that that movie theater butter has the ability to ruin your day stomach wise. Yeah. Uh. But if you can just if the. If the if the if you can get just the right amount on uh-huh. it, it's you know it, it's a razor's edge right uh, much like the characters in point break right. walk the edge between life and death nice. I will walk the edge with movie theater butter trying to put exactly the right amount on uh yeah popcorn uh, cherry coke if they got it oh, okay. it's the only time uh, the only time I drink a uh, a uh, you know full sugar soda. sodas mm-hmm. when I'm in a movie. And, yeah, I I don't go to too many movies by myself. Uh, I will, like, watch movies at home, but as far as going to the theater, I usually try and get somebody to go with me. I don't know why. I usually have fun when I go by myself, but it's not something I do a lot.
2: All right. Good stuff, man. That's it. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you. All right, everyone. I had a good time talking to Jordan. He's so much fun. What a good guy. Uh, I'm glad we are pals, and I'm glad he agreed to give up some of his time to uh, come in the studio there in Hollywood and talk Point Break with me. What a fun, fun movie. Uh, you can follow Jordan uh, on Twitter. He's a great follow, Jordan underscore Morris, or support him by listening to Jordan Jesse Go on the Max Fun Network, and certainly check out Bubble on the Max Fun Network. Such a good, good show. If you like comedy, if you like sci-fi, and you like silliness, uh, you're going to love Bubble. It's really good stuff. So big thanks to Jordan. I'll see him again in June. We'll hang out and drink some beers together. Can't wait for that at uh, Max FunCon this year. And thank you for listening. And until next time, I'm fucking surfing, man! Movie Crush is produced, engineered, edited, and soundtracked by Noel Brown and Ramsey Yunt, at Works Studios, Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia. The Only Way is Through, a new podcast in partnership with iHeartRadio and Under Armour. Players, coaches, and athletes will share intimate and personal stories of performing at the highest level. This season, Notre Dame women's basketball coach Muffet McGraw is battling a losing record.
0: Every game knowing you're supposed to win,
2: that really weighs heavy on your shoulders. And I think I said at one point, wouldn't it be great to be the underdog again? My husband said, be careful what you wish for. And here we are listen to the only way is through available now on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast
0: dear young rocker is more than just a podcast about music it's a memoir of how it feels to survive high school when you don't fit in and the freeing feeling of picking up a guitar for the first time it's also advice for anyone who is or was young and has ever felt weird or alone Dear Young Rocker is written and narrated by me, Chelsea Erson, executive produced by Jake Brennan, and comes to you from Double Elvis Productions. Listen to Dear Young Rocker on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.